Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. I want to start with prayer. Lord, I just thank you for what you've been doing through these services, God. I thank you for your, uh, uh, just your goodness and uh, your love for us uh, in the midst of when we flub things up. Lord, you're just so good. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would work this service, Lord, that you would meet every single person, Lord, that you would touch us, um, Lord, you'd open our eyes, open our hearts, and that you would bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm not much of an inventor. I, I think I have one invention to my name, and it was when I was 12 years old, and I was on, uh, I was on my bed in um, the stereo. I, I don't know if all of you know what stereos are, but back when we were little, we had stereos, and uh, uh, they were really important to us, and uh, like as important as your phone is to you, our stereos were then. And um, we, I had a stereo on one side and the light on the other side. I couldn't reach either of them from my bed. So my big invention is I found a dowel, and I took a 50-cent piece, and I just taped it all over the end, and I would like stay in my bed and turn the stereo on and off and then reach the other way, turn the light on and off. That's the best I could come up with. So not great ideas. Um, but I ran across a few ideas that I think are really good. Here's a, I think we've got a picture here. Yeah, that's a great idea. Don't you think? It's, uh, it saves a lot of water. I thought that was pretty smart. And then I found this other one uh, right here. And that actually, that's an alarm clock. I talked to a woman last night who actually owns that thing. So she told me a little bit more about it. But your alarm goes off. And as soon as the alarm goes off, those wheels start spinning. And she said it's made like almost indestructible. So it'll be up on her nightstand and it'll just fly off and it'll start going around the room. She says it has the most horrible noise you've ever heard. And you chase it and it like dodges you as you go. And I thought, wow, that's... That's a great idea for like, if when I was 14, that would have been a great, uh, great thing for me. And this next invention isn't so great, but that baby sure is cute. And she, that's a sweet little one there. So some good ideas. But I was thinking about God and um, the ideas that he comes up with. I mean, have you ever thought about it? Like he didn't have any like template. There's nothing to work off of. And I just like, I think about water and snow. I mean, isn't that, it's just a good idea. Like how it freezes and the storage system. Like, man, you are so smart, God. And I actually wanted to talk about what I think is one of God's greatest ideas ever. And that's sex. Now, you knew that was God's idea, right? See, because a lot of us, we kind of look at sex like, don't let God know. Don't let him know that, that sex is going on around here, right? But he thought it up. It's his good gift. It's his wonderful, amazing idea. Let's look at Mark 10 here, verse uh, six. And it says, but at the beginning of creation, God made the male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate so now the two will become one flesh. Now, part of that is just the process that happens of you getting to know one another, sharing your life, sharing your heart through marriage. But part of that becoming one is actually sex. There's an intimacy that takes place, a connection that takes place. And see, sex was a good idea. Now, I want to show you just where grace stands. So I want to show you, this is on our website. And if you wanted to see our core beliefs, here's one of our core beliefs. We actually have a core belief titled sex. And this is what you would find on our website. If you'd bring that up for me, please. We believe sex was designed by God 
for one man and one woman to share exclusively in the context of marriage for procreation, connection, and mutual enjoyment. And so now if you go on the website, you'll see a number of Bible verses that are behind that supporting that because we believe that's what scripture says about sex for a man and a woman in the context of marriage. And here, here's the thing with our culture and our world right now is we have invented ways to ruin and mess up a really good idea. We've ruined the purpose of sex. Procreation is one of the ideas. Okay, that's a beautiful idea. Go be, go be, multi, be fruitful and multiply, God tells us. And that works best in the context of marriage, of a lifelong union, the security for our kids as they grow up in that. And then this powerful, beautiful connection and intimacy that you can't find anywhere else. And that's actually, I think, one of the reasons that many people have sex outside of marriage is because they want that intimacy and they want that connection without the work that it takes the commitment that it takes to have the security of marriage, right? And then here's the other one, and I think the church has done a really bad job talking about this last one. Mutual enjoyment. Sex is fun. And God has given it to us as a gift. And I think, and we're like, oh, can we say that in church? It is. And see, we, we have made it all about our personal needs. All about, like, I need that connection, I need that touch, I have this desire, I, gotta, you know, I need this release, I need this, I need this to happen. But see, this is just too powerful. It is just way too powerful of a gift to misuse. When I was, I think I was 12 or 13, my dad gave me a shotgun, a 20-gauge Winchester Ranger, and I still have it. And it, I love it, I, just because I, I put so many rounds through it, I just, it just, I know exactly how it's gonna move, I know how it feels. But the thing is, is he didn't just say, well, here you go, have fun. Knock yourself out. Hope you don't get hurt, right? I mean, that gift, it's so powerful. And we had to have big talks about safety and we had to go out to the range and he had to show me how to use it. And he did actually a really good job of making sure I understood what it was he was putting in my hands, what he was giving me here. And see, I don't think all of us understand what God has given us in this beautiful, amazing, powerful gift of sex. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I think this points to it. Uh, just through one quick example that Paul gives in verse 16, he says, Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So now there's a number of things that happen. In sex, there is a physical connection and there is an emotional connection. But I want you to understand, I don't think the world understands this at all, there is a spiritual connection. And I am convinced that each time that we have a sexual encounter with someone else, we're actually giving them part of our spirit and they're giving a piece of their spirit to us. It's called, some people call these things soul ties. There's actually a spiritual connection. That's the way God intended it. And that's why he said, do it in marriage. See, if you have this lifelong relationship, that spiritual connection is a good thing. But if not, then it's splintered all over the place. Now, when I got married, I actually technically, technically was a virgin. But there were all sorts of different experiences that I had to come before the Lord and I had to repent and I just had to bring each one and I was like, Lord, in Jesus' name, break that soul tie. In Jesus' name, break that soul tie. 
And Lord, will you, will you please give back to them what is theirs and give back to me what is mine? And say, I just want you to know that you actually, if you, you can be a spiritual virgin. I really believe that, that God can restore anything that you've given away or actually anything that's been taken away from you. And see, God made this so beautiful and so good. And when we do it his way, sex is an awesome thing. But the world, another thing the world has done is they've said, well, it's just sex. It's no big deal. Now, anyone here who has been abused sexually, anyone here who has been, had to undergo any sort of sexual experience that you did not want, we know differently, huh? Tell them that it's just sex. It's so intimate. It's so powerful. There's something to it. There's something spiritual to it. It is not just sex. It's amazing and it's good, but it needs to be in the context that God has given us. And another thing that both the world and you know the church is done too is this idea that it's dirty. Sex is not dirty. Sex is good. Sex is beautiful. And sex is an amazing gift. And you know what else is an amazing gift? Gender. Genesis 127, male and female, he created them. So you have to understand that, that your gender was actually a gift given to you in the womb. Listen, the world says, well, men are pigs. Men are selfish. That's a lie. Men are noble. Men are meant for so much more. See, this is why, this is why I, I think that it is unbiblical to change your gender because it's a gift that God has given you, right? And you know what? It's a beautiful gift that God has given you. It is good to be a man. It's good. And it is good to be a woman. And God was just so smart and so right in the way they did it. Now, and the other thing is there are differences, like it or not, there are differences, and God intended there to be differences. Now, I understand that some of those are social constructs. I understand that some of those are concocted. For example, men don't cry. Really? Jesus cried three times. He was a man. He was the man's man, right? And so there, there are things that we've made up, that we've put on gender, that really God's like, I don't know, whatever. But now there are things, though, that we see even in Scripture that God says, okay, now men do this. For example, men, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So actually, you were men, you were made by God to sacrifice for your family, to lay your life down for them. See, this is one of the things that comes with your gender. It's actually one of the gifts, one of the beautiful things that come with your gender. And I don't care if you have a man bun or I don't care if you have a cow, cowboy hat. It, you, listen, gender is good. And you could express it with a man bun and you could express it with a cowboy hat, okay? That's just fine. Or, or I don't care if you're a ballerina or, or if you're a ball player. Listen, being a woman is a beautiful thing. You're meant to be who you are in the midst of it. And it's good that you're a man and it's good that you're a woman. And, and gender has been attacked and it's been changed and sex has been challenged and it's been cheapened and this misunderstanding of it, it's just leaving a, a wake of destruction in his path. Clouds of shame. Just over, and right here, I mean, over us in the church, just the experiences we've had, the things that we've done, the things that have been done to us, it's just like this shame that we carry along with us because it's not the way that God intended it to be. And I want you to know that God's not mad at you. 
and he's not disappointed and he never looks at anyone and says, oh, that person is dirty. And he looks at you and he says, oh, I just want you to be free. I just want you to have life. I want you to come into my big, great idea the way that I intended it all along. And all this brokenness, I, I just want you to turn from it, repent from it, yes, turn away from it so you can have the life that I have. Now I asked Jesse and Julie Stevens to come up here and they're gonna share a little bit about their story. And so they have this amazing story of how they moved from brokenness, or I should how they are moving would be a better way to say it, how they're moving from brokenness in their sexuality to life and fullness to what God had intended. So would you welcome them and just thank them for sharing their story with us. Thanks, Carl. Uh, if you were here last week or saw the sermon online, you would have seen our, our wedding photo on the big screen. We've been married for 16 years, and we have two kids, Jaden and Janie. And when they see that photo, they say, Dad, you had hair? <laughs> and I try to tell them, I still have hair. No. <laughs> we're honored to be up here in front of you today to be sharing some of our story. But we're humbled that we're sharing some of the sexual brokenness in our story. But more importantly, what we want you to hear is how God is healing our relationship as we focus on his design for healthy sexuality. There are two things we want you to take away from our message today. And the first is we are here to share our weaknesses, but also God's restoration power. I use my phone for my Bible, so don't feel afraid to get your version app out. So we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And that says, Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. And second, we want you to experience the freedom that can only come from him. In Galatians 5.1, it says, Christ has set us free to enjoy our freedom. So remain strong in the faith. Don't let the chains of slavery hold you again. So just another little disclaimer. I know most of the kids are out of here, but um, this might make you a little uncomfortable. Just remember how we're feeling. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about sex and pornography and using the word porn. I was exposed to pornography at a young age and developed an addiction. I thought it would go away once I got married, but it didn't. And it brought destruction and havoc on our intimacy. After convincing or a convicting sermon at church one day, this was three and a half years into our marriage, I told Julie about my addiction and the heavy burden of shame that I carried. Um, I remember sitting in the car after he had told me we were, I don't if we were still in the parking lot or not, but I was so angry, um, upset, and mostly shocked. I had grown up in the church, and so I was a little bit naive to all of it. But most importantly, I was um, so scared that we were going to separate, and I did not want to be alone. I definitely had found my identity in our relationship, so I was just scared about that. I felt so betrayed that I ended up moving into our guest room at the time, and the only way that I felt that I could communicate with him 
was through writing him letters and just processing emotions there and asking questions. When I get angry and upset, I kind of go silent. So it just helped me process all that. So that's how I communicated with him. I also just, I had a lot of shame after he told me that and I felt like I was under a cloud of shame now and I couldn't or I didn't want to tell anyone what was going on. I ended up calling my college roommate and talking to her about it. She lived in another state and she suggested that I read some books and that Jesse also read some books and um, I'm a type A, let's get it done. So I was like, all right, we're gonna get these books, we're gonna read them and we're gonna fix the problem. Sorry. I was resolved not to look at porn anymore. I was absolutely ready to be done with it. I was certain this was the time, even though I had tried hundreds, if not thousands of times before to start, stop. I was sure now that I had shared with her that it would be easier, but I eventually fell back into it. I continued to hide just like before, but it was worse now because I couldn't connect with her and I knew it was because of my choices. And during this time, we were trying to have a child, and I thought, that will be what I need in order to stop this. However, we struggled to get pregnant for over three years. So there were lots of fertility appointments and medications and shots and scheduled sex. And at this point, I had just become numb to the idea that sex was fun or pleasurable. Sex was a means to an end, and that was a baby. And if I would have seen that picture of that baby during this time, I would have probably left the church, like just walked out. I could not handle seeing other people pregnant or being invited to a baby shower. I actually broke a lot of relationships during that time because I just could not handle that we could not have a baby. So um, I had major tunnel vision on that. So sex was just, it was not fun. And um, I could only focus on baby. I also grew up um, with major misconceptions about what purity meant. So in turn, it skewed my views of what our sex and marriage looked like. I associated purity with being a virgin when I got married. So I've been trying to write the words best for this, but um, I found a blog post on this by Jessica Harris. So I'm just gonna read what she wrote because she says it awesomely. She said, biblically, purity carries more meaning than hasn't had sex yet. Still, in the so-called purity movement, and if you grew up when I did in the 80s and 90s, the purity movement was going, that is the only meaning that word took on. If a church was having a lesson on purity, it was a lesson on sex and why you shouldn't have it. Purity is so much more than that. Purity should encompass our entire lives, not just sexual activity. It is a conversation that talks about living a life that honors God in all aspects and how I interact with others, how I use my time, how I treat my friends, what I watch online, how I use my money and what I fill my mind with. In the Bible, purity has more to do with worship than it does with my virginity. So my concept of sex in our marriage as being part of our connection, I didn't see that. And once we got married, there wasn't an answer after that for purity. It's like it just stopped. It's like, you're married, poof. You don't have to be pure anymore. And I didn't know what to do with that. And no one taught me about that. And I didn't know if I could talk to anyone that I didn't really like sex. Like I made it to this finish line and it was a really big letdown. 
I remember our honeymoon not being that great. My expectations of sex were not met, no doubt in part due to my distorted vision of it. Then 11 years in, and sex is still not great. Both of us contributing to the brokenness, me with my addiction to pornography, and Julie with her mixed messages about sex growing up. Julie felt the disconnection again, and I told her I was struggling again. And she told me this time that I could not keep this in the, in the dark, that I had to bring this sin fully into the light. And the first step was that I needed to share with someone other than her. Still my turn. All right, so I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 1, uh, verses 5 through 7. It says, Here is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. Suppose we say that we share life with God but still walk in the darkness. Then we are lying. We are not living out the truth. But suppose we walk in the light just as he is in the light. Then we share life with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, makes us pure from all sin. We had to deal with it. We had to quit trying to hide it and deny it as a problem. This meant taking more steps. Julie couldn't be my check-in. It had to be a trusted friend. And this friend suggested that I take an online, everyday course. I stopped looking at porn, but I still struggled with lust. A year or so later, I had another friend who said he was leading a group of men through a course on unwanted sexual behavior. I knew I needed to ask him if I could be in the group, but I still had so much shame that I had trouble admitting it to him. But I knew I needed to be in the group too. So I joined the group and went through the course. I learned about addiction, about how the brain works, and a lot about myself. I was taking all of these small steps in order to shine more and more light on it, kind of like poking holes in the dark clouds of shame that hung over my head and finally clearing out those clouds and being free of it. This was a big turning point for me too. I was so glad he had shared with someone else besides me that I felt that cloud moving out as well. And I just was happy he was moving forward with people who understood and struggled with the same thing because I couldn't help in that. The course that he ended up taking um, actually had information for me as well. And the biggest help was knowing it wasn't my fault. Because with my misconceptions and my thoughts about our sex life, I felt like it was my fault because I didn't initiate enough or we didn't have enough sex. But that is a lie. And it was not my fault. So I was so happy that I was able to understand that and work through that and get that information from his course. I also knew because I couldn't be his accountability partner that we had to work on our relationship and our connection outside of the addiction. And during this time, we also had to keep in mind that we're not just fighting this, that we're fighting other things so we're going to read Ephesians 6:12, and it says, "For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places." 
we have to recognize this as a spiritual battle and that the enemy is trying to tear apart our connections, our relationships, whether that's between husband and wife, parent and child, or between me and Jesus. So we have taken a lot of steps in the right direction, focusing on our connections, with me admitting it to her, us reading some books together, confessing to her again, also to a trusted friend, taking an online course with an accountability coach, joining a support group, and really making it something that I brought to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the focus didn't stop there. Julie and I pray together daily, and have regular check-ins. And we still look up shows and movies for sexual content and choose not to watch them if it's going to have stuff in there that's not healthy for me. This is something that I will always need to be aware of. For me, it's not something that will just go away. Keeping connections, identifying and avoiding my triggers, and becoming more fully known has really helped greatly in my healing. But now, having taken all of these steps, taken this shame and brought it out to the light so that it can't crush me anymore, I can feel the freedom. A freedom that has allowed me to be confident in serving at church, to teach over at Grace Kids, to lead a weekly Bible study for at-risk youth, and to really be the spiritual leader of our home. All these things I felt like I couldn't do before because of this dark cloud of shame that was hanging over me. But the, rate, the weight was really lifted off and I was free. I could now step fully into those roles. Our marriage was broken, and yours may be too. The enemy wants to hold that over you. Yeah. He wants to keep you in the dark. We still have things that we are working on. But we are working on them out of hope, and we are working on them together so that we can more fully know each other. We are doing things like reading books, reading our Bibles daily, doing online studies, listening to podcasts. We love podcasts. <laughs> sharing our lives openly with our small group, all in an effort to reconnect intimately. And because we, have a, we want to have a healthy legacy, we are teaching our kids what God's design for sex and marriage looks like. Yeah, and I mentioned earlier that I was afraid that we were going to separate, and that was mainly because I didn't know who I was in Christ, and I was relying on Him to be that person. So I definitely have been learning more about who I am in Him and how God sees me and how God sees our marriage. So I've just been learning, even in the past three to four years, how to listen to the Holy Spirit. I wasn't taught that. I didn't know how to do that. So listening and asking the right questions, and that's different for everyone on how you hear Him. But He has just been so faithful in um, letting me sit with Him and teaching me that. The other thing he's, Jesus has been teaching me and pushing me towards is getting up early. And if you know me, Early is not fun. I do not like mornings. Um, I can sleep till noon if I didn't have responsibilities. So if you want to hear the whole story, ask me later. But he has been very faithful in getting me up in the morning in the dark. And I don't really like that. But it has been so fruitful because my house is quiet. And I get to spend that time with him where he pours into me. So I'm not relying on this relationship, which is very important, but this relationship is so important. So I've just been thankful that he's been fruitful in that. And then working on this relationship, we are still working on this. Jesse and I are learning how to reconnect after 16 years of marriage. We are learning how to reconnect sexually. And that's been a little bit awkward, a little bit silly, um, exciting, um, fun. However, it's just been so good because I know how God sees me. I know what God has called our marriage to look like, and it's just been so good. 
I know that I can be honest and open in the bedroom about what's going on and what we need, and that communication has just helped us experience what God intends for our marriage. And God has been so kind in that, and I'm just thankful. It's also very important that our kids grow up knowing what healthy God-designed sex in a marriage looks like. So we have been talking to them from a very young age about that. But most importantly, I want them to understand that purity has more to do with worship than their virginity, like I mentioned earlier. I want to teach kids to love God, to honor Him, and, give, and have it fill every part of their lives. And the best way that we can do that is in our home and show them and everything that we do to fill our lives with that. And it's not just about their virginity or the end goal there, but it's about their hearts. So in our house, we use appropriate words for all the body parts. Our kids know what pornography is. We have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old, and that may shock you. However, we're living in a world where if we're not gonna talk to our kids about it, the world is going to teach your kids about it. So it may be uncomfortable for you and you may not have grown up in a household where it was talked about, but we have to stand up and be that first mention of sexuality to our children in a safe place, age appropriate, biblically based, so they know what to expect when they see it. So I, um, I want to show you this, and then I have a couple more things to say about it. But this is a great book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures that talks about pornography. There's a junior book and then an older book. Um, we've already talked to our kids about it. My kids know what porn is, and they're going to know what to do if they see it. Another thing is, is I grew up having the talk. Everyone remembers that, sitting down with their parents awkwardly. We don't want it to be like that. We want to have lots and lots and lots of talks with our kids and be open. So when they do have questions, and they will, they will come to us and ask those questions. We've already had a couple from our kids about it. We just want them to know that we're trying to protect them and raise them up in that. We also look up movies for them, which our nine-year-old son hates. And he's like, everyone's watched it. Well we're not going to watch that movie and we're going to protect our minds and our hearts because of what God calls us to do. I just want to add a couple of things to what Julie said. One, that we want to be the first mention, which means we get to be the authority in their minds on those subjects so that when they have a question about it, they'll come back to us for that. And second, when we choose not to watch a movie, we are honest with our kids about why. For example, if we didn't watch a movie because it wasn't honoring to women and how God wants us to view that, view them, which is with dignity and respect, then we tell them that. So as we wrap things up, we want you to remember, we are talking about finding freedom and restoration when you lean into God's design for sexuality. And there's going to be a QR code, or did you have something else? Nope, you're good. Sorry, QR code. If you haven't noticed, we're a church of QR codes. If you have an iPhone, get it out. You, it's okay. You can get your phones out. I know that you're not allowed to have your phones out. If you have an iPhone, you just hold up your camera and you scan it. If you have an Android, I can't help you. Ask your neighbor. So you scan this, it's going to take you to a um, Google Drive page, and it's going to list all these resources that I'm giving you now. So if you want to order them on Amazon or if you'd like to come look at them. One resource that has helped me out greatly is called The Great Sex Rescue. It's a biblically-based book um, written about just the things that we've been taught 
and how to recover what God intended for your marriage. It's so good. It helped me work through a lot of my purity movement things and things that I just needed to work on in our marriage. So that's another good one. If you haven't had the talk or talks with your kids, these are God-designed sex books, um, and they start from a very young age, age three, all the way up to teenager. The age three is just a quick little story of me. It's a storybook about themselves and how they were made, and it's all biblically based. So all those resources are on that QR code, so snag that before you leave. And um, Common Sense Media is on there if you've never heard of that. It gives you a great idea of what's in there and how to look up movies. It has shows, books, video games, all of those kinds of things. And we have a men's group coming up, uh, Finding Purity. We'll have an interest meeting this Thursday, just kind of give an overview of what it's about. If you're not ready for a group, find a trusted friend, someone that can walk alongside you, someone who can support you and hold you accountable. And also remember that the church has counseling services available. Anything you can do to take a step toward freedom. Bottom line is to not let the enemy use the things that God has created for good and use them against us. Don't let the enemy continue to keep us from the freedom that God has for us. Yeah, to wrap up, we're going to finish in Philippians 4.9. And that says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. We're up here and we're happy to share, but just know that we are continually in practice for this as well. We have not mastered the intimacy in our marriage. We have not mastered parenting. We're still working on connections with our kids, but we are listening to him and what he wants us to do so that we can live in his peace, so that we can have a whole family. Yeah, so if you feel a nudge or tugging at your heart or you hear a whisper, listen to it. God wants freedom for you. Go after it. All right, thank them. I'm so proud of you guys. Great job. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thanks for pouring out your heart all weekend. So good. So um, I don't know if Jesse mentioned it, but he's starting a group uh, here uh, called Finding Purity um, that I want to encourage. Uh, it's for teen boys and uh, men and anyone who wants to find God's design and uh, wants freedom in the area of um, sex and sexuality. So you can talk to Jesse about that. I think it's also in your, uh, your bulletin there. One of the things that I loved about what uh, Julie said is this idea of biblical purity. And so, uh, yeah, it has to do with doing it or not. Yes. But um, there's so much more to it. You know, I think about Job, and, and Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. See, this is, this is actually about, that's biblical purity. And so if you think about the, the times, if you have a wandering eye, and, or you're at, you know, you're up at the, the pool or at the reservoir, and, um, you know, you, you let your eyes go to places that they shouldn't and you dwell and look at other, other um, people that you shouldn't, the, the, when you get done, you don't feel good, do you? Because that's not God's design. See, you're meant to be noble. Those are sisters, brothers. You know, you're a spiritual father or a spiritual daughter, a spiritual son. And God meant for these relationships to be pure. And so, so purity, it's, it's also, it's the way you think. It's the things that you, the, the fantasies that you allow yourself to have, or even how you see yourself and how you see your sexuality, how you see the opposite sex. 
See, biblical purity, it's the whole thing. It's that my whole life can be worship. And I think most of us, many of us, it's like there's some places where I love Jesse's idea where as he came, God, he took a ray of light into the cloud. And see, I I think that God wants to do that. In fact, I know that the Holy Spirit is here right now to bring a ray of light into your cloud, into that shame and into that bondage, into that place where it's like, this isn't lining up where God wants it to do. God's actually ready to minister that right now and bring one light. And see, then you're going to let this light come and another light will come. And then another light will come and another light will come. And you're going to look back and you're like, wow, where'd the cloud go? Where's the shame? Where's the darkness? And, and this, is, this is for people, for things that have been done to you that were wrong too. There's a shame that comes with that. First of all, I wanna tell you, it's not your fault. But you know what, those things you need to bring to God and you need to bring the light into that as well so you can be free, so you don't carry this lie that's been given to you. So the first thing that we do is that we just come before God and we say, it's true, Lord. He already knows. Lord, I, I don't like how I, uh, I view myself. I don't like how I view the opposite sex. Lord, I, this is what I have done. These are the things that I've done. And we're honest with ourselves. And, and then we pr- repent, which means, Lord, I'm turning the other way. God, give me strength. Give me power to not go that way anymore. Change me and transform me. And so much of that repentance and transformation comes with the next thing is, is we bring that. And this is for those that, that are under what has been done to you as well. You, you bring that to God and you say, okay, here, Jesus. Bring your light on this. I give it to you. I give you my shame. I give you my sin. And the blood of Jesus Christ is enough. And then there's some of us that, that we're, we continue to, to go back in there and we can't get the, that's not enough to get out of it. So we need to take another step, which is to what Jesse did. Tell somebody. Talk to somebody. Find a trusted friend. Get an accountability partner. Go to Jesse's group. You know, we've got uh, Calvin here is a licensed counselor. You can come talk to him. You can talk to any of the pastors. And we just want to help you. We want to help you win. So, so some of you need to take that step as well so you can be free. But right now, right now, God is ready to bring freedom. Right now, the Holy Spirit is here to shine a light in the cloud. I just know it. He's done it in the last two services. I'm convinced he's going to do it this service. So what I want to do, I want to ask you just to stand up right now. I'm not going to have an altar call. I'm going to have a stand where you are call. And uh, we're gonna be up here actually, Julie and Jesse and I, we're gonna be up here and if, uh, encouraging you during this next song and after service to come up and we wanna pray for you. And it doesn't just have to be about sexual issues, we wanna pray for you for your marriage, your family, we wanna pray for you for sickness, anything that you need, we're here to pray for you, okay? But we're also here to pray about sexual issues, issues identity and gender as well. But what I want you to do right now is uh, I want you just to hold your hands out in front of you and if there's anything that you want God to change and there's things that I want God to change in me. There's places that I want light. Okay, and if that's you, just put your hands out right now and I'm just gonna pray, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come. Lord, you see all of these hands, Lord. Lord, you see all the shame that's hanging over our heads and I ask God right now, Holy Spirit, minister light. Lord, we take these things to you right now, the things that we've done. We take the things that have been done to us Lord, we, we take these attitudes and these beliefs that we have, and right now, Jesus, with our hands out, we say, here, we're presenting them to you, the power of the gospel. We're presenting them to the blood of the cross. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask you would move in this place right now. Thank you, Lord. I ask you to just move in this place and that you would bring light to every hand that's out. Just start to bring light. Start to bring freedom. I thank you, Lord. You're ministering freedom right now. Lord, that you're up to something right now, God. You're moving 
You're bringing freedom. More, Lord. More, Holy Spirit. More, God. Lord, I just pray that we would just give it over to you, Lord, because you're so eager to take it. You're not mad. You're excited right now that we would bring this before you. Minister freedom, Holy Spirit. And God, I ask that you would teach us purity. God, that you would give us clean hands. You would give us pure hearts. Lord, that you would make us whole. And Lord, those who have been broken, those who have been hurt, would you repair them? And God, what we gave away, what we gave away when we shouldn't, would you give it back to us now? Would you restore us? Would you make us whole again spiritually? Make us whole again physically. Make us whole again emotionally. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. It's your good pleasure. He wants to. He's doing it right now. Thank you, Lord. More, Lord. As we sing, just continue to allow God to minister to you. Continue just to hand that over. Just let him wash over you. He's just, he's so for you. He's so pleased with you. He sees you as so pure. Just receive his love. Receive his forgiveness as we sing right now. And come up and get prayer if you need some too. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.